So, I was reading the accompanying booklets that came with my 4K edition of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, did it? <laughs> yeah. Did it correct any of the historical inaccuracies? Or no, it didn't. Okay. It wasn't. It made them worse actually, because it was the extended oh. cut. So I think there was some extra juicy bits of anachronism in, uh, thrown in, which uh, for everyone to enjoy. Um, but the booklet in it uh, came with this uh, two articles, essays. I can't remember the authors, unfortunately. But one of them was talking about how Prince of Thieves came out in the summer between junior school and high school. So like primary school and secondary school. Sure. And he saw it six times that summer. And it was the perfect movie for the last summer of his childhood. He used to dress up as Robin Hood. His grandmother made him like a... Um, what do you call it? A quiver for the uh, bamboo sticks he was getting from the DIY shop that he was using his arrows. And like, and it was all it lovely just until he took someone's eye out. It was all lovely until he took someone's eye out and grandma went to jail. <laughs> um, <laughs> for aiding and abetting. Aiding and abetting an actual murder um, of several people. My question is, did you have that movie of like some important big summer that just... Um, I struggled with this. It's tough, right? Because I only had movies in the summer, ever. Because yeah. that's the only time that I was at home and was allowed to go to the cinema because of the boarding <laughs> school thing, which might oh, have yes, been mentioned course, before just on this podcast. A couple of times. Um, but, so yeah, and I, I also don't remember most of my childhood. Um, <laughs> which is fair. Yeah. So I'm really trying to think of like a film that I even saw as a child and I'm struggling. But I will say When did you when was that summer for you? Primary and set wait oh. I don't know oh. how schools work. I went to a fancy school where it was all called silly things. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> did you do both um, primary and secondary at the yeah. same school? Bah. We just had junior senior. For me it was the summer of two thousand, and there were only three movies I can say with any authority I definitely saw that summer. And I don't think I saw any of them more than once. The first one was Pokemon, the first movie. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that was an incredible film, but go on. It was an incredible film featuring Pikachu's first holiday as its uh, opening short, oh God, if I remember yes. correctly. Yeah. <laughs> so that was obviously influential. Chicken Run. Okay. Hugely important. Yep. Hugely important. Once again, an American and a British film, but this time, you know, appropriately so. Yeah. Because you got Mr. Gibson doing his voice. But, you know, he wasn't trying for anything else. Know yourself. Like mm. Mel Gibson does, undeniably. <laughs> <laughs> know yourself and hope that you're better when you do. Um, and then X-Men, which I think may have been it. That might have been the one. See, all but, of these films that you're saying, yeah. I didn't see in the cinema. I had right. the first Pokemon movie on VHS. And it got a lot of watching. <laughs> Um, oh, I did too, actually. That white box, X-Men, I think. X-Men, I very distinctly remember that we had it on video disc, not DVD. You had to change video that disc, disc halfway through the film. It was a knockoff from China. Um, <laughs> I had it on a very nice DVD edition with like special... Um, for- well, it's easier if I just show it to you. Oh, um, look. You've got it right there. <laughs> my superhero section is right by my desk. So I will always be able to just reach for that. Yeah, I think I'm really struggling because I, I I, genuinely don't remember going to the cinema really as an activity when I was younger. It was a treat that I would I would go maybe once a year with my friends. I watched everything on a television. Yeah, I remember doing like nerdier stuff when I was like, very young. I remember dressing up as the shadow from the movie The Shadow with a little handkerchief <laughs> tied around my head. 
And I remember getting so obsessed with Lord of the Rings a little bit later in secondary school that my parents actually did help me build a little diorama of Helm's Deep in our shed. Okay. A First shed off, they had purchased for tools. Incredible. <laughs> and secondly, I'm starting to be concerned that I've, I know what my film of this is. <gasps> but I was... How old would I have been? Uh, 20? Okay. One? <laughs> Love it. Paul, it, it was it was the Warcraft film. I saw that five Amazing. times in the cinema. Ah, uh, we've <clears throat> talked about this before. Haven't you want to talk about the Warcraft we movie? We haven't done that. Because Dang it. for like, I would say maybe a year of my life, it was my only personality trait. <laughs> Unfortunately, friend of the podcast. No worries. Um, and unfortunately, friend of the podcast, Bex Watson, saved my life by showing me upside down, which allowed me to get out of a very dangerous and sticky gravity situation. And uh, consequently, I owe them a life debt that, and must podcast with them until I save their life. Oh, oh no. no. Well, <laughs> I'm going to offer you plenty of opportunities to do so, and you're just not going to do it. <laughs> Good. That's that's the main thing. <laughs> We've got to make this for that. So that we have to be friends. <laughs> oh, it was kind of beautiful, actually. Morgan Freeman just couldn't admit that he just wanted to hang around with Kevin he Costner. He just wanted so to... See, see, guys, this is what happens when men aren't comfortable talking about their emotions. <laughs> they have to swear a life debt just to hang out with their buddies. <laughs> it's just not a tenable system. God, I'd love to play snooker with Dave, but until he saves my life, I can't, <laughs> I can't justify insisting that we hang out together. It's a very unfortunate system. And, uh, yeah. So, Bex, uh, tell us, tell the good listeners about your deeds and how they can learn about them. I do deeds. Um, <laughs> I do deeds. I, I do some podcast deeds uh, yeah. over on Roll Plus Heart, um, where you can find me. And I'm also on Twitter as Starling underscore Dust, um, where you can find my art and my thoughts about how hot I am. Uh, that's temperature wise, uh, yeah. not <laughs> looks wise. I'm just for those. All of my tweets are about the weather right now. <laughs> for those tweets, you've got to get onto my the only account. fans. <laughs> the only fans. My only fans Twitter account. You've got it. Yeah, I, I, I've legitimately seen this. <laughs> oh really? I was about to be like, don't yeah. worry about it. There's no actual content. It's just me saying that I'm hot, and you have to trust it and send me money. <laughs> I love it. It's not. It's like real sort of financial denial. Yeah. <laughs> like to the extreme. Like I'm not even going to send you pics. <laughs> you just have to imagine them after you've sent me 50 pounds. <laughs> Finally, someone brave enough to put the imagination back into the online OnlyFans community. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Vex chose an excellent time to get roped into a podcast, though, because I'm undertaking a quest through the recent history of Blockbuster Entertainment. Yes. When Goodman and I reviewed Artemis Fowl, I called it the quintessential terrible modern blockbuster. Just completely indicative with everything wrong with big budget entertainment when it was made. 
Um, and I stand by that. Yes, I know. It's also you, uh... a grievous betrayal of my favorite childhood book series. Oh, God. It was so unfortunate. Nobody got what they wanted out of that. No one. And it's hilarious because Branagh just came out and said, I don't think people would like a story about a people young People just evil aren't mastermind. smart enough for this book, this children's <laughs> book. Oh, God. What were you doing? So now I want to have a look at the highest grossing films of each decade since the 90s and identify the highest grossing poorly reviewed film where possible and take a look to see what we can learn about the trends and flaws in the industry. So where better to start than the 90s? 1991 specifically, when John Major was in office, The Simpsons was the hip new show, a certain spiky blue hedgehog made his gaming debut, and the biggest film of the year was Terminator 2, but the second biggest film of the year was Robin Hood, (laughs) Prince of Thieves. A time of war. A time of homecoming. A time of tyrants. A time when the only way to uphold justice was to break the law. He gave the people the courage to fight. One man who stood for freedom became a legend. Kevin Costner, Morgan Freeman, Christian Slater, Alan Rickman, and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I did think this was suspiciously quite highly rated when you sent it to me. I was like, 51% isn't that low on Rotten Tomatoes for a one good thing episode. But now I see you're working with a theme. (laughs) We have a theme, but also we have gone higher than that. I think Sudden Manhattan is one of our reviewed movies that we've done recently. Sometimes, it's been a lot of episodes. Sometimes we just watch movies. (laughs) You know what? That's fair. Yeah. So this saga starts in- with the improbably named writer Penn Densham. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> sounds like I didn't spot that. <laughs> it really sounds like a Chris Morris character, but it's not. It's Penn Densham. And Penn Densham wanted to break away from the typical lighthearted swashbuckler of Errol Flynn and the Disney Fox one. The sexy fox that was every, every the sexy girl's fox one. Yeah. sexual awakening for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Can't relate, but... The one with highly fuckable animals in it for some reason. Don't know what Disney was getting at with that. He might have died before that. I don't know. But in fact, I think that might have been one of the first ones after Disney died with the Jungle Book. So maybe it was like, okay, lads. (laughs) Stop holding back. We're doing this. The cats will play. play. (laughs) Hornily. Oh, God. That does explain so much of 70s and 80s Disney output. They had this idea for a rich kid turned rebel by the Crusades, kind of like Iron Man, but with the Crusades. And, you know, Richard Lester's Robin and Marion and the often overlooked British TV show Robin of Sherwood laid a lot of thematic and narrative groundwork for this. Um, If you wish to see any Robin of Sherwood, consult ITV4, which seems to show nothing but that and (laughs) the um, uh, Sherlock Holmes thing. And some foils war. What more could you need? (laughs) What more do you need? Uh, But hey. I didn't. I didn't write the art, uh, the Wikipedia article, so we should just leave those things to history. Uh, Penn Densham probably wrote it. <laughs> Densham, incidentally, is a British writer who left school at fifteen and got a gig taking pictures of the Rolling Stones. So that's quite a qu- career trajectory. <laughs> it is. You would struggle to do that through like an O level pathway. Pathway. I think, yeah. So. 
I just go to the right. job fair and be like, <laughs> "So what do you want? Rolling Stones photographer? <laughs> got uh, anything? Is... Tell you what, I've got a job at a warehouse. <laughs> I've got a circus <sighs> job here. Um... I think it will set you up for a lot of transferable skills. So he ends up in Hollywood and is a creative consultant on Rocky Two. What does that do? I think I think Rocky should punch Apollo a lot, but creatively, <laughs> creatively. <laughs> I think you should wear these gloves and these shorts. Anyway, he writes, I think James Brown should be in it. <laughs> that was my creative <laughs> input to Rocky Two. Done. Sold. Anyway, he writes Robin Hood with his writing partner, John Watson, uh, with whom he also wrote A Gnome Named Norm. And Norm is spelled also with a silent G. Oh, a gnome named Gnome. <laughs> a gnome named Gnome. Uh, <laughs> it me sounds intrigued. like a Welsh expression. I want to watch that now. Yeah. It's about a detective who teams up with a gnome to solve crime. Okay, well that sounds like the perfect film, so I don't know why I don't know why we're talking about Robin Hood Prince of Thieves right now. We've got to see a gnome named Gnome. Gnomed. Every word in that film has a silent G before it. It's the worst like pig Latin you've ever heard. <laughs> it's really not fooling anyone. Don't begin to grow so sure. What? <laughs> see? See? Robin Hood gets picked up by Morgan Creek, the uh, production company not guy. Well, Morgan Creek would be a pretty sweet name for a dude. Um, because as they, as the studio puts it, they see gold on the page. They, they, they just wrote Alan Rickman's in it on every page. The problem is that they're going up against other Robin Hood remakes, apparently, at the time, from 20th Century Fox and TriStar, so they hurry. They hurry oh, this. Oh, I see. Yes, this is beginning to. They say, "Should we do clearer. it well?" Nay, <laughs> quickly. Yeah, quick is what we're after here. Um, they get a director named uh, Kevin Reynolds, who did Red Panic Invasion movie Red Dawn in 1984. <laughs> Imagine Russia invading a country. <laughs> crazy, <laughs> crazy 80s drama. So then he did two flops. Um, it is believed that the reason he was brought in, in spite of that, is because of his closeness with Kevin Costner, who they really wanted for this. <laughs> wow okay i didn't realize that they like wanted kevin costner in it from the beginning they wanted him so bad because that... it didn't matter who the director is if it got them kevin costner that really like confuses my theory that they wrote the main part for someone much younger than kevin costner and then yeah. put kevin costner in oh i think we could still say that i think the studio <laughs> just decided that mr costner was the way forward here because he was in the middle of a hot streak i think he just made dances with wolves and he was going to make JFK, but they didn't know that. So it was <laughs> one the of them of had a dream. One of them had a dream. Had a and vision. It was just before. The same director, incidentally, directed him in Waterworld. So he did thoroughly end his career um, <laughs> very soon, which kept a, a baton that Costner himself would pick up very readily in time for things like The Postman. So he advised Costner when he was directing his own film, uh, Dances with Wolves, and apparently the troubled production made them close. Um, and Costner does say that he declined Robin Hood until he heard that, Ren- heard that Reynolds was directing. Aw, they trauma bonded. <laughs> they really did, and I think they just perpetuated it. The booklet I was reading in the uh, Arrow video thing was talking about how Costner really wanted to bring his best to this movie because of his bond, but he was feeling really burnt out, so <laughs> Oh, I couldn't Uh-oh. tell. <laughs> well here's the main part of all this Costner wanted to do an accent Reynolds thought an accent would be distracting for some reason a compromise between the two was reached where some scenes were shot with an accent and some were not 
Yeah, you know, I noticed that. I might have made a that note about out. it. <laughs> that did that, that does show actually. Uh, pleasing no one, which I guess is what a good compromise should do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. <laughs> that's how it works. Um, here's the best thing about the whole production. Alan Rickman, cast as the main villain of this film, felt that the script was lacking, and so took it to his friends, the playwright Peter Barnes, who wrote the excellent film The Ruling Class, starring um, Lance of Arabia, Peter O'Toole, mm-hmm. and comedian Ruby, Ruby Wax, saying to them, I need some good lines in this. And fucking boy, did they deliver for him. Yeah. <laughs> Alan Rickman and his scenes. writers were the, really the only people who understood the assignment here. <laughs> what else has that happened? What else has a writer, a, an actor just been like, I got two of my mates to um, <laughs> rewrite my scenes. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> he just went to the B unit. C- Look, can we, can we see the there. script? No. <laughs> I'm just going to do it and you're going to be in awe. And that's fair. So, yes, the filming is rushed and difficult because they film in England and it's hard enough to organise a barbecue here, let alone a Costner farm. Tensions reach breaking point in the edit when the studio insists that Costner not have the movie stolen from him and so they keep asking for Rickman scenes to be cut. Hmm. Do they know nothing? Do they know nothing? This leads to the director storming off and not attending the premiere. The uncut version is now available, which is what I watched on my 4K thing. Includes 12 minutes of extra footage, almost all of which is Rickman. I feel cheated. I'm pretty sure that's (laughs) not the one that's on Netflix. Did you see... um, What's the main scene? Um, Oh, okay. Did you see uh, his little sidekick try and communicate him by writing on a board? No. He's had his tongue cut out. Yeah, okay. Ah, oh, <laughs> so, crushed. Well worth checking out, but I will mention some of those scenes in the uh, in the plot synopsis and sample them uh, liberally. <laughs> Pretty much all my samples are going to be Alan Rickman. Perfect. <sighs> Critics felt that the hospitality in this country was as warm as the weather. Vincent Canby at the New York Times said, A mess. A big, long, joyless reconstruction of the Robin Hood legend that comes out firmly for civil rights, feminism, religious freedom, and economic opportunity for all. Um... Fascist filmed a critic, Vincent Canby there, inaccurately describing that Robin Hood has gone woke. Yeah. Yeah, I, no. I have a... I just... I would like to maybe define a few terms <laughs> for this man. Look... Feminism means having a woman on screen. Feminism means that a woman. (laughs) And then he forgot to turn the page. (laughs) There's a bit where she wears some armor. Maybe that's what bothered him. I have no idea. He's fucking talking out his ass here. Religious freedom as well, I guess, is the bit where they stop making jokes at Morgan Freeman's expense (laughs) for five minutes. I concede, oh, he's all right, actually. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, dear. Bloody hell, Vincent Canby. Uh, public, meanwhile, thought it was your bloody lost mate. Uh, Dr. Samira de Alwis on Google said, One of the best ever motion picture I've seen in my childhood. I love this movie and splendid theme song, OST, of Everything I Do, I Do It For You, <laughs> Brian Adams. Best and awesome with two thumbs up, Dr. Samira. She signed off. Or they signed off. I Oh, am... no. They signed off Dr. Samira, brackets, Sri Lanka. Ah. Just so you know. So actually you can know where to forward the response. I had really forgotten about everything I do being in this and was fully blindsided <laughs> by it when it arrived. <laughs> when this pop song just starts playing. I was just watching it and I was like, weird, these strings sound like, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. I was I was really disturbed that the movie, the song is not actually fully in the movie and the credits start playing and I'm like, what the, what the fuck? Are you just not going to do it? And then after a beat, it starts. And I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> You nearly had me, movie. 
Oh god, we have a couple of three men. Neil Ridaway uh, was a villager in this, was a Gungan guard in The Phantom Menace, but before all of that, was in Super Mario Brothers as Brooklyn Girl. No explanation. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> okay, interesting. Maybe Neil Ridaway had a really interesting Good journey of you, self-discovery. Neil. Good for you, Neil. I wish I knew more about you, but history has not recorded such things. What it has recorded is that Morgan Freeman is a Morgan Freeman. <gasps> Thanks to Now You See Me Too, which I wrote in just instinctively as Now You See Me T-O-O, and that's not the title, but, but it should I, have I been. mean, but I think that's what they were trying to get at, right? Now You See Me Too. <laughs> but with the number two. I don't yeah. know. They feel like they could have gone too. Mm. <laughs> I mean, as uh, Dan Harmon angrily pointed out, it should have been called Now You Don't. I it really bothers me every time I look at it. Now you see me, and then I think, and oh, the next one's called Now You Don't. Oh no, now it's not. <laughs> oh, he was also in. Co- he was also the narrator in Conan the Barbarian, so he's a three man. More importantly, Sean Connery spoilers is a three man. Thanks to the Avengers, where he dressed up as a teddy bear, and Highlander Two, where he acted like a teddy bear, and then this shows up in the conclusion, very briefly, as... in a role that was at one point considered for John Cleese. Oh, free to a man, free in a bush, free, free, no. Films are shit, mate. I, I just, I mean, I'll say it again later, but I'm going to say it now. Um, it's better representation that, than King Richard deserves, okay? <laughs> that is fair. I mean, he, was, he is kind of just an idiot in this. He almost lost his kingdom off in his pointless war. But I've I've got beef enough. with King Richard. Personal beef, I not personal fair. beef. I just think he's the worst. <laughs> sh- I think they should have left him in that. Bl- no, that was a different Richard, wasn't it? That was Richard the Third in the car park. Yeah. Well, I think they should have dug Richard the Third up and stuck Richard the Lionheart. In. <laughs> just shoved him in instead. <laughs> Tarmacked back over him. We buried the wrong Richard. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yes. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, has fifty-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Fifty. 51- one percent on Metacritic again, eighty-seven percent on Google. Good lord, and made nearly ten times its production budget. <laughs> Bloody hell! So vex you, twit. What's one thing about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, that made you want to call off Christmas? Alan Rickman, heart emoji. Yeah. <laughs> when you, that? when what does you that emoji you? look like? I just drew a little heart in the air. Yeah. Oh, um. So when you messaged me and just sent me the. <laughs> The, the poster for Robin Hood Prince of Thieves and said what does this mean to you my reaction was that Alan Rickman like I'll watch anything for Alan Rickman heart emoji um, yeah. and I really do think that's it so I watched this mm. when I was maybe 12 or 13 wow. as a family film which oh yeah and re-watching now is gosh. <laughs> an interesting choice yeah yeah it sure is um and i remembered that i had really enjoyed it at the mm. time um i was i have always been very into kind of swashbuckly type oh god yeah characters yep. um and my my pathfinder character right now is in fact a swashbuckler and it's the Love most it. fun i've ever had um yeah. so i i was really into films like this um yeah and but I, I actually remembered very little about it. Mm. So every every scene that I rewatched was such a surprise. Like the only <laughs> real thing that stuck in my head is like Alan Rickman's in this and he's got good hair. And, yeah. and everything else I was like, really? D- <laughs> wow. <laughs> How did I forget this? Yeah. 
Yeah. And just before we start, I've uh-huh. said it before. I'll say it again. I've come uh-huh. on a long journey to no longer be like that person who nitpicks minor historical quibbles in movies, especially yeah. when it doesn't really matter. Yes. Because um, it's really annoying. Uh-huh. Um, and I acknowledge <laughs> that. And not everyone cares as much about small historical details as I do. However, uh-huh. there are a few in this film, like so egregious that I I can't not talk about them. I'm sorry, you're forewarned. And I promise that I'm I'm usually more fun to talk about films <laughs> than this. I promise. Okay, I promise. People can vouch for that. People can vouch that you put you pointed out very few historical inaccuracies in Jonah Hex, <laughs> even though they definitely did not have the technology for Megan Fox back then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna need to hear every single one of those inaccuracies. I've, but I don't. I've really just focused on on two. Okay. The two. That... two... The two that kind of got me good. One that was just like, huh, what a silly mistake. And one that was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to this. But I seriously doubt that there are that many historical inaccuracies. So we start with the Bayo Tapestries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From about 150 years before the setting of this movie. Yep. (laughs) It's good. It's context. This is why Britain is here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Old sewing... (laughs) <laughs> someone pointed out it would be like introducing a movie set now with victorian era yeah like, it makes aesthetic. it makes very little sense it's old it's fine so we find out that richard led a brave campaign against the turks most did not return uh okay <laughs> yeah let's let's pause right here because this is my first i beg your pardon um because the turks had left a century before this. <laughs> What's so, a century or two between friends? If he turned up to wrest it back from the Turks, he was he was gonna struggle. Okay. Hey, this guy's an idiot. Okay. <laughs> He's gonna struggle real hard. He's gonna struggle with that. At least Google the Crusades plural and uh, <laughs> figure out where you was. Just pick, just pick one. You know. Yeah. I feel like they didn't want to piss off like the Middle East, but were like Turkey. Yeah. yeah, fuck them. <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, how how were the 90s in any way upset about pissing off anyone in the Middle East? Come on now. True Lies was right Come there. now. Come on now. Luckily, there's an American in this Turkish prison. <laughs> oh, we st- we're in a Turkish prison. Um, and there's an American here. Two, in fact. And they're going to kick-ass Nottingham style. This is English courage. All over a loaf of bread. It starts yeah. like Les Miserables. But oh, it's so beautiful. But really dark and hard to see anything. That is fair. They're in jail. Um, it's uh, Kevin Costner and Morgan Freeman. Those are the actual character names, and they are in jail, um, in this in the Crusades, and they escape. And one of them yells, "That's for five years of hell." Did he yell that every time? Is he gonna? Is he planning on kill- yelling that every <laughs> single time he kills someone? Because that was just a guy. Listen. <laughs> You've got to have a catchphrase, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and you've really got to do the work to get it recognisable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You've got to get the brand going. So yes, they, they escape, the three of them, and it's time for the thrilling adventures of Kevin Costner, Morgan Freeman, and Dave! Uh, <laughs> Kevin Costner and Morgan Freeman! <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Dave was um, made Marion's brother? Father? Brother. Cousin. Brother. Okay. That makes sense. Um, meanwhile, back in Rockville, which at the time was called England, 
uh, Lord Brian Blessed is softly shouting out a letter. And he gets lured outside where there's a bunch of bad guys in weirdly clan outfits for some reason. I, that was my immediate reaction. I was like, oh, okay. The KKK are here. I mean, if you want to articulate that they're bad guys, I guess. They've come to lynch poor innocent Brian Blessed. So but often they don't have any, they don't have any weapons, but, and he's on a horse in full armor with a sword, but like. Yeah, but they're going to like really cut down his confidence. Um, he does also have the option to just go back inside and close the door. Like, oh, well. He says no. See you douchebags in winter. <laughs> I'm too loud in English for that. God and King Richard! Yeah! So yes, he goes. Uh, Kevin and Morgan and Morgan land in the, at the White Cliffs of Dover. So it's just a quick run across Hadrian's Wall and he's back in Nottingham. I was so baffled <laughs> by their Hadrian's Wall detour <laughs> after Robin just... had been like We'll be back at my father's house by nightfall from Dover. <laughs> from Dover Will to, you? to Hadrian's Wall and back again. You can do it in a day if you're pure of heart and know the <laughs> shortcuts through England. Whilst he's doing this, he's just like, I'm home here in England. Woo! Yeah! I am home! Woo! Yeah, he's having a, he's having a great time. Yeah, he's definitely an English man. An English boy. An English boy. But, a young English boy. A young English lad. And he encounters another young lad, only a few years younger than him, being chased by a man with an even dodgier accent than Kevin Costner. It belongs to Michael Wincott, a man I love dearly. He, his, I mean, I'll speak about this again a little bit yeah. when we get to our good things, but I, I just need, for anyone who hasn't seen this film and is listening to this, I need you to understand how cartoonishly villainish his, <laughs> his bad guy voice is. Stranger, this is no affair of yours. This boy killed one of the sheriff of Nottingham's deer. To the point where sometimes it's difficult to understand Yes, him. it definitely is. It's essentially the accent is... is it's just like... <laughs> Robin and Loxley, you're in trouble now! Like it's just a yeah. Growl. It sounds like it sounds like someone gave him prosthetic Batman teeth, <laughs> and he's trying to talk around. He brought them. his own. He brought his own. <laughs> Dedicated to his craft, Batman. <laughs> Meanwhile, so yes, uh, Michael Wincott tries to attack them, um, and it's assault the boy. But uh, Kevin Costner of Nottingham uh, rescues the boy and sends the bad guys packing. So Michael Wincott returns back to the castle where Alan Rickman is doing the usual Alan Rickman things to a lady. <laughs> he sure is. Who told you to cover up? Who told you to cover up? Yes, get that shoulder back out. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny because he was like, don't cover up. And it's like, she didn't. She's, yeah. She's still barely. just sitting there with most clothes with a on. sheet over her. <laughs> Oh god, but the witch summons him to the basement. Which so... I forgot Miss Marple was in this. Oh, that is Miss Marple! That's Geraldine it Chapman, is isn't Ms. it? It is Miss Marple! Yes, of course it is, dang it. Yes, she's doing Marple stuff. And it turns out they are conspiring to steal the kingdom. Uh, starting with getting rid of that pesky Lock, uh, Locksley bunch, including Robin. So, yeah, he gets Robert, uh, Kevin Costner gets home to find out that they took all of his land so that they could build a creepy ruin there gentrification. They've built a Halloween spook house right where his home used to be. It went to shit really quick. Real fast. <laughs> it takes a lot to upkeep these um, old <laughs> English properties. Nobody appreciates this. So with home not looking too good, he goes and visits Maid Marian. 
who, yeah, there's, she set up a facsimile, um, one of her friends sort of disguised as her, um, and she's just like, who are you? I'm Robin of Loxley. No, you're not. You speak like an American. You're clearly not. Maid Marian, Americanly also. Oh, yes, also, yes. (laughs) So he has a fight with a very talented swords person. Oh, wow. Who could this be? It's Maid Marian. Oh, she can kick ass in this. That'll be useful later. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't worry about it. We're going to have to rewrite this a lot if uh, Maid Marian can actually fight really well. You know what? The, uh... (laughs) The modern cinema goer in 1991, their attention span's too short. They won't remember by the end of the film that she could have done this all on her own. (laughs) She really just let Robin Hood save her. Yeah, um, it's feminism. It's too woke. It was, it was, that was very much, not even first wave feminism. It was like point zero zero (laughs) wave. Well, it was like, okay, we're going to let things be the same, but we all know that it's bullshit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It was not a helpful movement. Um, oh, good, though. Wincott is here. They chase Robin into the forest. The haunted Sherwood Forest, which turns out to be a reasonable place to live, just like Hackney. <laughs> Hackney Sometimes haunted? These it, it, that's, that was the reputation it had. But turns out it's actually quite nice. But now that I've oh, figured that out, I've taken a part in the gentrification of it. Oh. That's the problem. Sometimes these haunted myths are really just to try and maintain a place for a community. <laughs> like, look how fucking quickly all the white people move into Sherwood Forest once Robin figures out it's all right. To be fair, <laughs> the only other option would be for the apparently only non-white person in England, Morgan Freeman, to go and live <laughs> in it. So That's true, on his own. And that wouldn't be great. Uh, oh, well. I just hope he's able to keep Sherwood Forest to be at least somewhat culturally interesting. <laughs> so... And um, he encounters um, a young, cheeky British lad, Christian Slater. He's drowning! Yay! And his merry band of misfits, including John Little. Uh, but yes, there's a fight. There's a fight between John Little and Robin Hood, which ends with Kevin Costner um, sneaking up behind him and kicking him in the balls. Oh, he is English! <laughs> <laughs> Well, he has been in a pub fight before. <laughs> he knows how this country works. <laughs> he meets... Ma- yeah, he then... Okay, so having won over the trust of the people of Sherwood Forest by kicking John Little in the balls, that's all it took. He, um, <laughs> and he then just sneaks Just like a off. little bit of like light waterboarding. <laughs> just in order to really just show who's boss around here. He then goes off and meets with Marion, then Priest, then Rickman. And... With hilarious results. It's no, it's no, at no. this point when Rickman starts going full, like, I'm yeah. the bad guy sheriff of Nottingham, that the person <laughs> I was watching this film with said something that I think might have rewritten my DNA, which is, <laughs> I would give anything, anything, uh. to see Alan Rickman in this film play opposite <laughs> Jeremy Irons in the 2000 D&D film. <laughs> <laughs> that would be terrifying <laughs> i think it would be all i ever needed in life my god the i energy just of had it. to share that because yeah. the mental image is incredible <sighs> i feel like rickman responds to the energy of his performer so you put him in a room with jeremy irons where jeremy irons is just sucking the oxygen out of the out of the place and converting it into pure fire um rickman will shrink and become like this really snide kind of you know sarcastic sardonic figure put him opposite Kevin Costner, who is a void, 
Oh, he and just this like is expands to fill. Yeah. So Alan Rickman is a liquid. Interesting. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's my theory. Okay. So Alan Rickman is a liquid. Yeah, 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 I, think yeah. that, I think that works. He fills the space he's in. And this space had a very definite Alan Rickman shaped gap in it. <laughs> and he expanded beautifully. Um, he meets he meets Marion. Uh, yeah, sorry, I've done that. So, yeah, he um, he's in trouble now. He's pissed off the Sheriff of Nottingham. So he goes and gets all of his men to stab haystacks repeatedly in order to prepare. Oh, no, God damn it. My notes are so vague. Rickman does that. Rickman is pissed that Robin Hood is out there. So he commands his men to go around and stab all of the haystacks in the land. Yes. And then be like, when people are like, why are you doing this? He's like, we got a Robin Hood. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Am I right? Guy named Robin sometimes wears a hood. Maybe. Pretty sure he was wearing a hood. <laughs> I don't know, man. Okay. So, yeah. They train. And they learn how to make swords out of trees. And they start <laughs> stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. in a wonderful montage. Uh, oh, yeah. Mike McShane is in this. From Whose Line Is It Anyway? He shows up to be Fry Tuck. Yeah. Robin Hood! Oh, Lord bless me! I mistook you for common thieves! Oh, Oh, kindly let, let me pass, eh? Surely the Lord has the charity to spare a few barrels for good Christian men. Yes? We have much to celebrate. <laughs> well, if you wish them to share in the good Lord's brew, you must best be for him! And yeah, becomes their faithful kind of religious man in a couple of scenes. Um, but during that sequence, I think Winnicott... Oh, no! He, uh, Winnicott goes back to Alan Rickman and then gets killed! No! We shall never hear his angelic voice again. Sad. Mm. It is sad. This movie will be lacking him. It genuinely, I feel, does. Um, Maid Marian goes to the forest and catches a glimpse of that hot Costner butt. <laughs> From, like, a mile away. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm going to talk about this again during our good things, <laughs> but I just... Safe to say, we had to pause the film because we were laughing so hard <laughs> at her reaction to seeing a bare butt from a mile away <laughs> oh goodness hilarious um yeah freeman Mo- uh, morgan freeman manages an absolutely immaculate cesarean in the middle of the forest which is great and wins mm-hmm. over everybody's trust um christian slater is still here in spite of seemingly having portrayed him earlier because he tried to throw a knife at him yeah and he shot from through the hand they gave they had this moment where it was like, is being shot through the hand a good enough motivation for, as far as we're concerned, this random person's, like, to hate Robin? No, yeah. he'd be madder if he casually asked Marion to dance and Robin was like, actually, I'm going to dance with her. That's the oh, real, no. that's the real her. Yeah, that's really going to get at you. And you hate that. And he's just like, how's your hand, dickweed, as he goes past? Dude, <laughs> you suck. Uh, so Rickman hires some filthy Celts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Celts, you know. Paul, we history. need to talk about this. It is the 12th well, century right now. Yeah, of course. These Celts are from 43 AD or earlier. <laughs> they are proper Roman Celts. With they turn woad. up with bear skins on their head, painted yep. with woad, and shirtlessly <laughs> run around a while before they leave like there's no point in them being there and also they have time traveled like did people really i don't know whether this is just 
Dear listeners, I'm Scottish. I was born in Scotland. I don't know whether this is me just being madly offended that people were like, oh, in the Middle Ages? Yes, those Scots were just running around like barbarians and hadn't figured anything out yet. Incorrect, (laughs) okay? (laughs) What I love is Braveheart is filmed like a hundred years after this and also has them all in blue woad and like fighting to the waist. It's very frustrating (laughs) for me. A Scot and a student of history. When they said the Celts, me and the person I was watching it with, who also studied classics, Love um, it. we just looked each other dead in the eye and were like, from where? <laughs> what? Celtland. Do they mean what do they what do they mean? And then when the Celts <laughs> turned up, we were just I've just never been so baffled by a choice in a film because like it's not this isn't oh the Turks left a hundred years ago this is like a thousand years yeah <laughs> love it they should have gone over and gotten some Greek hoplites it's it's like it's like you're watching a like a a World War One film right and they're like we better call in the reinforcements yeah and just a bunch of medieval knights clank onto the battlefield <laughs> and a tank shows run around up. a bit and then just leave <laughs> Why? Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I feel like that literally happened in The Kingsman. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 also it's also a problem for the bloody pagan lords who are ruling Britain at this stage, who really don't like the Celts being here, in spite of their black magic. She's gonna get in the way of our beliefs. Ah, uh, but they're here and they're here to stay. So Sarah gets killed, who has made Marion's best friend, and Marion gets captured. Blind Barry, who has also been around, leads the entire army to the camp. So they have a big fight. Bummer. It's very, it's a, it's a bummer. It's a really tough moment. Oh, they win. Sweet. Oh, no, but the Celts have fire. They didn't count on no. the Celts bringing fire Hang from on. their home. That wasn't the Celts, lands. though. The Celts <gasps> ran away and then the sheriff's men had fire. So why? Okay. Why were the Celts there, Paul? They needed to have a fight. Why were they there? <laughs> I fully just have to assume that someone had accidentally like overordered on some blue paint for something else that they were making. <laughs> How can we use this? I've got a crazy idea. Look, we've got to have Kelt shop in something. It's oh. this or Star Trek, which is filming next door. <laughs> oh god! But there's a big fire, and Kevin Costner falls into a barn. Is our hero dead? The tension, the tension is maddening. Uh. Rickman proposes to Maid Marian, which goes about as well as you'd expect. All seems lost. But oh my god, who is this mythic presence emerging from the mist? (gasps) Could it be? A very bright spotlight. An incredibly bright spotlight. (laughs) Who could it be? Oh my god. Um, Which goes great. Will has a second go at portraying Costner this time by promising to Alan Rickman to turn him in. Uh, we also, in that scene, get a, see a little glimpse of the Rickman Slater two-hander that could have been, and it's pretty good. I really, I really <laughs> wish he'd been Robin. I really wish that Christian Slater had played Robin. I think it would have been very good. It would he's have been great. He's much more likely a lad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for and one thing, I would refer to him as a boy. Sure. <laughs> The accent, I think, is wild, but, like, entertainingly, like, wild. Yeah, it's a kind of, like, out there choice rather than a struggle. Yeah, Yeah, rather than just not doing one. It's, oh, God. Yeah, it's good stuff. But how's he going to portray him? 
Well, he's going to lead him into a trap that he probably would have gone into anyway. Like, unless it would have done the trick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he changes side. Why? Because he's his brother. I have <gasps> a brother. It's one of the funniest line deliveries. <laughs> I have a brother. It's really getting into the sleepy Carlsner territory that we all know and love. Meanwhile, Anna Rickman also has a... Um, uh, a, a, a familial revelation and a scene that you may not have seen in which he finds out the witch is his mum and that the witch killed the real sheriff, uh, sheriff of Nottingham and slipped this weird baby into its place. I beg your fucking pardon? <laughs> this happens and he just says something okay. like, tell me about father. <laughs> it, it is interesting that you confirm that she's his mother because yes. I was I was very... I was very confused. I have, um, I mean, I'll just read, I'll just read to you the very short note that I have on this whole situation, which is in caps, what is happening? He's a wife guy now? Is that his mother? What the fucking? What do you mean she'll give us a child? Yeah. I started to be like, is that his mother or his or his lover or both? Like, what, what's the situation it's, here? Her plan is to get her kid on the throne and the way she's going to do that first of all was by slipping alan rickman onto the i guess the family that is the sheriff of nottingham and killing the parents at some point as well i think is implied uh and then yeah getting him to marry maid marion who is a royal and then yeah never mind that the king has a brother that's, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, I said yeah. I wasn't. I said I wasn't going to do historical <laughs> he, stuff anymore. But please. he died in the war against the Turks. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Those or mysterious Turks. It's weird that we never saw them. It's very weird. <laughs> um, but yes, I've written the poutiest boy in the kingdom, but I don't know who that is. I think that's the young lad who Robin saved earlier. Yeah, and is now unfortunately facing getting uh, hanged at the wedding, which seems to be a joint wedding slash hanging <laughs> situation. Yeah. <laughs> And they plan, don't worry though, they've got a plan which involves mystical <laughs> black powder that explodes oh! from Turkey. But also, okay, they put a bunch of those barrels on the gibbet? Somehow. Were they just going to blow up the guys getting hanged? I think it was like some badass thing where they were going to blow up the barrels and they would all just drop down to the ground naturally when the gallows have come around. Okay, well... <laughs> Once you see the size of the explosions later, you really yeah. realize that what they were doing was willingly sacrificing those men. Look, Morgan Freeman doesn't have any idea what he's doing about all this. He's invented gunpowder. <laughs> he's invented gunpowder 200 years early. He doesn't know. He's making it up as he goes along. <laughs> oh, God. But yes, they, they storm about the place. They attack the castle. They're having a great big swashbuckling adventure, and it's all good stuff. Ah, time for a comedic rape sequence. Oh my, I, I struggled <laughs> with this. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I mean, pretty not wild. Just because of this, tonally, the film was wild. Yes, um, absolutely. Leaping between the comedic and just the actual, actually, like pretty fucking grim, but with nothing yep. like to soften that blow. <laughs> and um, it's out there. Yeah, and just that moment where. Like there's all this swashbuckling going along, uh-huh. and and this scene, and there's so much sexual violence in this film. I can't <laughs> believe I was allowed to watch it as a twelve year old. I know, right? I can't and believe we all were. 
like died like, in the intro. They're playing lines for laughs, like during that yeah. scene. Like there's this one bit where Alan Brickman says, "I can't do this with all that racket," and it's like, "Yeah, is that supposed to be a joke?" It's we're all having good fun here. <laughs> It's inexplicable. Yeah. So, yes, the witch sees Morgan Freeman, uh, who is the painted man from her prophecies, who she believes is here to kill her. Also, wait, so she actually can do magic? Because the extended sequences definitely imply she's a charlatan. Interesting. Yeah, maybe that was the one real bit. Listen, broken clock, twice a day. (laughs) Sometimes your magic spells just work, you know? Yeah, and sometimes, if you say you're going to get killed by Morgan Freeman, you're probably going to be right Sometimes you're somehow. just doomed by the narrative and you become a self-fulfilling prophecy by running uh. into the sword of the man you're sure is going to kill you. <laughs> we could, we'll all do it in the end. Uh, speaking of dying ridiculously, um, quite a few people, but also Alan Rickman. He dies as he lived. Insane. But and, very oh. Lucian with good hair. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the witch attacks again, gets killed again. It's all very funny. And they have, yeah, this time a much folksier wedding. Only this time bloody James Bond shows up. Love it. And then Friar Tuck breaks the fourth wall. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The end. The end. But you sit there for every moment of the credits so that they can play everything I do, I do it for you. Exactly. Or if you're me, you turn them off halfway through because it's finally time you can leave where you are and go get train. So. <laughs> where you are. Um, well, where you are, don't worry wherever, about it. Don't worry about you where are, it was. Just, it doesn't matter where you watch Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, so long as you watch it with an open heart. And that's ex- <laughs> what I expect has happened here. So what did you make of Robin Hood, the Prince of Thieves? Okay, you know what? I struggle <laughs> with 51%. On Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> because it's so average, and nothing about this film can be called True. average. Well, Rotten Tomatoes only really measures consensus, so all that fifty-one percent really indicates is that people were torn on this, which I feel is fair. Yeah, I mean, it has to. You have to either just be like Alan Rickman is worth all of this, yes, or you have to be like this is nonsense. Yeah, I just, I just, I wanted fifty-one percent just doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, entirely fair enough it had its funny moments and like fun adventure moments as well yeah. um it tried to freshen things up and kind of introduce some new things to the narrative overall it, did. it was tonally such a mess that i really struggled watching it it was like whiplash yeah. between Absolutely. scenes and i think that overall it it really lost itself uh yeah and yeah, I mean, it for me, it was like neither one thing nor the other. And mm. uh, get Kevin Costner out of here. Get Kevin. I think that really the problem here is the two Michaels. Um, sorry, the two Kevins. Yes. <laughs> two, <laughs> I forgot who we were talking about. We've renamed them Michael now. The two Michaels are really what ruined this. They were very uh, mischievous characters who kept sneaking in to the set and ruining things. Yeah. Um, it's because I'm looking at Michael Kamen who did the score. I'm going to downside <laughs> my notes and go off the dome. The two Kevins, the director here, Kevin Reynolds and Kevin Costner, I think Costner is woefully miscast. Mm-hmm. You needed someone with way more charisma oh, yeah. uh, playing this role to make it interesting. I mean, there's a reason that Errol Flynn is so memorable in the role and it is that he has that sort of ha-ha-ha-ha <laughs> style yeah, swashbuckling. You've, you've got to commit to that. 
You really do. And like, if you look at the other successful sort of swashbuckling movies of the 90s, like The Mask of Zorro or The Mummy, you know, charismatic leads is definitely a huge part there as well oh, yeah. as sort of suitably good supporting characters. Because, yeah, um, I think they're yeah. absolutely the vehicle that is going to carry your film where it needs yeah. to go. And Kevin Costner is yeah. just such a non-event. We all know that Kevin really Costner is. can only really play Kevin Costner. Yes. And, um, yeah, it was a bummer. It really was, because he doesn't manage the everyman thing or the sort of charismatic heroes. So it just kind of sits very dully. And the direction in quite a few places, in spite of some absolutely gorgeous production design going on and some real heft to the value like there's some real money spent on this picture you can tell oh yeah there's something really flat to the direction that makes quite a lot of the more exciting scenes fairly undynamic mm-hmm. um which i think is an issue um and gets in the way in the sort of wider sense of fun i feel like this movie is lacking somewhat in style um it has a lot going for it though there's a lot of fun moments some things have dated really badly Maiden oh, Marion yeah. has no agency whatsoever and is, weirdly, this perhaps represents a token, in the 90s in general, in terms of representation, it's definitely a bridging point mm-hmm. in which we will have characters who are codified as gay, or we will have black characters who aren't just, you know, or we will just have black characters that are beyond stereotype, but we don't know how to handle it yet because the last thing in the world we want to do is actually put their representation in the hands of these people. Therefore... We'll have gay people, they can be sassy best friends. We'll have black people, they can be... what? What is it? The sort of magic black man? The sort of, yeah. s- you know, saintly kind of figure with no vices, who's we, very wise. Who creates magic black powder. Yes, who, who is also magic, because you can still get away with the sort of orientalism of the whole thing. Just inexplicable, mysterious powers. And then, yes, we can have women kick ass, so long as they will then conform to the typical gender being role that rescued. we have with them. Being rescued. Maybe yeah, Marion. And it, it feels <laughs> I mean, watching this was like a real I, I, I don't know, to a certain extent I, I had kind of forgotten that this was the landscape in which films mm. in the nineties existed. You know? Yeah. I forgot that when 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 you go and watch a nineties film, like you are going to see sexual violence played for laughs. Yes. Like it's almost guaranteed. Yeah. And I'd kind of just <laughs> locked that away in my mind for yeah. probably obvious reasons. And Ugh. it really only was when I watched this back that I thought like, you know, because I was sitting there, I can't believe I watched this with my parents yeah. when I was like 12 and this was fine. And then I thought it was just everywhere. It was, you know, yeah. they, this is what threat, you know, oh, there needs to be a threat. Yeah. Well, Stick a man on top of her and yeah. give him a countdown until she gets, you know, raped. And it's it's yeah. grimy, but you really can't divorce it. Like, it's not just this film, right? It's not that yeah. the people who did this film were like, <laughs> yeah, no, be gross and weird. Like, that's just <laughs> what it was. It is, because this is exactly what system you end up with when you have a bunch of people with very similar and limited life experience, i.e. people who have all of the power within a society, these just white men, and you allow them to just write movies in a vacuum, detached from any sort of context for these things that they're referencing. Yeah. And so you just end up with cliche. And yeah, tonal inconsistency, because to them it is just a joke. You can just do that. You can just make the bad guys like really, you know, representative of real life terrible things that may well 
upset people and your intention isn't to address those societal concerns it is just to put you know a signifier on these characters as being bad and to allow our heroes to sort of be good by contrast but you're not actually saying anything meaningful it's just the kind of writing that happens in that kind of vacuum yeah and obviously neither of us in this um general overview have mentioned really alan rickman (laughs) no well that's gonna be the quick fire (laughs) and that's because both of us i presume just have a quick fire list that's just things that alan full of alan rickman yep that's fair because he really does win the movie. He's incredibly charismatic. I think he won a BAFTA for this performance. Oh, good. <laughs> I, see, I I read one review mm-hmm. um, on the train on the way home. I was kind of uh, cleaning up my notes so that I would know what I was talking about because my memory mm-hmm. is terrible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was looking up a few things about the film and I saw one review that really like kind of nailed it on the head that was, you know, Alan Rickman was the only one who understood that like, this is a pantomime. Yeah, exactly. And um, he just, he just fully understood the experience. I'm glad to hear that he, he literally was like, I need to make this more. (laughs) Yeah. He went and rewrote his scenes because he's like, this is rubbish. You've given me nothing. I need to have some good lines. And that's just what he needed. Like, I don't know. I can see why this captured the imagination of young kids but sometimes that's all you really need to do is you just give them the setting that is cool and the hero that you know kids can kind of glom onto and a villain that they can laugh at sometimes that's all you need to do and it's not an easy thing there have been plenty of failed attempts to capture that same sense of imagination and the film is to be commended for what it does achieve but it doesn't necessarily hold up very well when you go back and revisit it. It's also way too long. <laughs> yes. Oh, I mean, I, yeah, uh, I guess it's worse with the extended mm, cut. Well, I was glad for the Rickman bits. It's already, it's already like two, it's over two hours, right? It is. The, yeah, it's like the, two hours, 15 minutes. The cinematic version. Yeah, I think yeah. so. God. Which is a shame, especially when a lot of the fun and games is conscribed to like montage. You know, the actual bits of them stealing from the rich and giving to the poor are just sort of montage sequences. Yeah, and that's, and that's I think that's where you get some really fun bits yeah. as well, because... You do. You get to learn about the men. Because they have to find... Yeah, they have to find these, like, interesting shorthands to teach you about these people and, and yeah. to make it interesting. So you get some good, like, little comedy moments and some fun visual stuff. And yeah. it's like, aw. Yeah, it's not a tricky premise to get right. And it's interesting that this movie, you know was the last one to really get it right in, in any sense, in the sense even of entertaining people and capturing the public imagination, because we've had at least two since. We had the 2010 Robin Hood movie. I think there's been another TV show. I think there was like a Naughties TV show that I'm forgetting the name of. Probably. Um, but the 2001 Russell Crowe one was, you know. It was. That what Speaking <laughs> about, like, historic inaccuracies yeah. the part where they like discover the magna carta under a stone that his father wrote <laughs> oh, whilst yeah. i was in the cinema i had i like i think i had an aneurysm <laughs> ridley what are you doing <laughs> god he's gone gladiator crazy god kingdom of heaven as well it's just oh, oh my yeah. god ridley but um and then you had the 2018 version with like taron edgerton in it which was oh, also I forgot dreadful. about that i never oh, saw it god that was black hawk down in the, the crusades it was ridiculous Ooh. i remember very little about it except that it was trying to be batman and black hawk down and it was just 
Oh boy, really not very good. <laughs> Yikes, that was terrible. That at least had an interesting premise. I can't remember what it was. I feel like it was Will Scarlet ends up becoming the sheriff of Nottingham in like a sequel bait moment Ooh. at the end. Yeah, it's it's yeah, very silly. Nevertheless, we're not here to talk about this. We're talking about the last time this movie was actually done with a little bit of whimsy. And I feel like if they'd just gotten the tone a bit more consistent, if they had gotten a more charismatic leading man and a slightly more visually talented director, then we might have had something a little bit more special. But let us give, gra- uh, give thanks for what we did have. Let's quickfire. 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 Oh, I just punched the microphone. Oh, shit, the little microphone prison. My microphone prison. <laughs> I sometimes, sometimes I feel like my, my quickfire things are sometimes you, like, someone might look at them objectively and be like, that's not a good thing. That's a bad <laughs> thing. Listen, if it made me laugh, it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, so right at the start, when Peter goes off to sacrifice himself so that Marion can be sad for 0.2 seconds about it later yeah. and then never think about it again, yeah. he just charges towards a group of people with his sword raised. Yeah. And then whilst he's standing there in the background of shot with his sword raised, the sounds of a sword fight stop playing as clearly nobody <laughs> sword fights anybody else in the background. <laughs> and I just love that lack of attention to detail. Love that. That's very good. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, God. I'm going to start with the Michael Kamen score. It's very over the top, very overwrought, but I do quite enjoy it. That main theme of da-da-da... Yeah, the one that is <laughs> listening back sounds a little bit like a knockoff Lord of the Rings soundtrack, even though it definitely predates Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Proto Lord of the Rings, but yeah, I, I enjoy Michael Kamen's music in general, and I think yeah, this is a this is a fun score that I think gets the tone right, even if the rest of the movie then struggles. Definitely, that was on my list as well. <laughs> There's a portrait that Brian Blessed looks mournfully up at whilst he writes a letter begging for news of his son, and somebody had to paint that. Somebody got the instruction. Paint Kevin Costner, but young and medieval, and they went, sure, and they drew an egg and added a bowl cut. Um, and from this portrait, I have to assume, and then like looking at Kevin Costner, I have to assume that he was away in the Holy Lands for at least 30 years. Um <laughs> But that and the lovingly crafted bust of Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham, there were just mm. some really fun props in this film. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, okay, a Kevin Costner line I actually liked was when they're walking home and he's, he's, I think Morgan Freeman explains what his name means. It means the great one. You know, for an infidel, you have uncommon clarity of thinking that you tell me nothing of yourself. For instance, your name, Azim, what does it mean? It means great one. Great one, really? Did you give yourself this name? And I feel like he says it in an almost, almost half good British accent that feels just a bit cheeky and a bit like, okay, if this is the guy, if this is the guy we're with, then great. But it turns out not to be the guy. Yeah. We had a moment. A moment of hope. (laughs) The entire scene where Alan Rickman loosely and maybe drunkenly staggers into a bright and 
colourfully lit dungeon. Oh, yeah. Where all of the mice and dry ice have been imprisoned. Yes. Uh, where Miss <laughs> Marple throws some plastic runes into bright red syrup and takes Love two it. minutes to notice the skull and crossbones staring her in the face before screaming, <laughs> like, melodramatically up at the <laughs> camera. Um, yep. This is kind of what I wanted the film to be, camp and like pantomime-ish yeah. and like with the actors having it up so hard that <laughs> that you just can't help but get swept along yeah so that whole scene for me was like perfect yeah you nailed might... it keep going <laughs> i feel like you could even get away more with moments like the sort of climactic you know fight, race against time horrible thing if it were more camp if it were more like the rocky horror picture show or something and you know, maybe she, maybe you've got Maid Marian like rolling her eyes and that kind of thing, and just you know, you you could maybe get away with it more if it did have a slightly more consistently silly tone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh. I'll tell you a line that um, I think it's Costner says it to Maid Marian. I killed some of the sheriff's men. Oh dear. Yes. <laughs> this is good. Um, similarly, like a Maid Marian moment that I quite liked was um. When she had Robin with her and the sheriff's men turned up mm-hmm. and she's standing like an inch away from his face. They see these horsemen coming yeah. and she just looking into his eyes goes, Stop them! They're stealing my horse! To give herself like the plausible <laughs> yeah. deniability that she's not yes. helping them. And it was quite comedic and I think she played it off quite well. I agree. Um, well, they've met together in the forest and they go to... Um, no, it's not. It's it's uh, when Morgan Freeman and um, Robin Hood, <laughs> Morgan Freeman and Robin Hood, they arrive at this in Sherwood <laughs> Forest at the clearing, the river passing, where they're going to have the confrontation with Little John, or John Little, and the music that plays in that sequence, combined with the sort of visuals of what's happening in this little clearing, did sufficiently transport me to that sort of romantic, folkloric, kind of fairy tale Britain. Yes, because I, I very much struggled when they first made their way into Sherwood Forest as they yes. pointed to what was clearly 12 trees and were like, <laughs> we must venture into this definitely haunted forest. And I was like, oh okay. man, I've never seen uh. a tamer looking English forest in my life. Thank um, one, this is not. <laughs> yes, but they did they did kind of manage at some points to make it feel much more yeah. Sherwood Foresty. They get there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we mentioned it before, but I have to say it again. Guy of Gisborne's cartoonishly evil voice. Yeah. Like, Incredible. I don't know. I just feel like he also, maybe he and Alan Rickman had a chat about it beforehand. And we're like, should we just, <laughs> should we just go fucking wild? Yeah. Because he also kind of just committed to being the most ridiculous villain. Yeah. That like you could imagine. And, um, all, all the way through, I was kind of like, it really reminds me of someone and I can't figure out who and it's something to do with the voice and I never really put my finger on it in the end but I think it might be that he sounds a lot like he's playing an orc in Lord of the Rings <laughs> um, yes he does and maybe I mean, maybe that's uh, just it uh, I, I just yeah, love delightful. Michael Winkart I love him I love him in The Crow I love him in um, Alien Resurrection when he shows up as the guy with the cool mm-hmm. voice and I loved him very recently in Nope, 
when he showed up in that as the cinematographer. Oh, so I he's seen just seen that yet. Oh, it's very good. I really enjoy Nope, and he's great in it. So, yeah, very prominent as well. So yeah, it, it's good stuff. I love that guy. Mm -hmm. Um, when uh Kevin Costner is showing off, um, the horde that they have managed to steal and are using to fund their various operations, he takes her into a treasure like room. And the nature of the treasure is just so... <laughs> it's just... It's plunder, you know? It's booty. Yeah. In the most charming sense of it. It's just gold and silver and necklaces and rings. And it's just... Oh, I don't know. It just does it in terms of, like, being a proper, like, kid's fantasy pirate cabin. I really enjoy it. It was a very <laughs> funny scene for me because he's like, Haha, you thought I was keeping it all. And it's like, well, you do just have it all piled up in you a You do have room. it here. Like, I... <laughs> You do come in here and roll about in it whilst laughing maniacally, <laughs> so. Oh, dear. Again, we've kind of mentioned this before, but the scene where Marion stumbles on Robin naked. Oh, yeah. I'm really not kidding. We had to pause the film. <laughs> I laughed so hard that there were actual tears on my face because she, like, marches on in, like, no, no, I'm going in. She sees, like, a flesh-coloured blob from like a mile away <laughs> yeah. and her reaction is like someone just plugged her frontal cortex directly into the secrets of the universe like it uh, <laughs> i don't know it's, it's like i kind of expected her to be having a spontaneous nosebleed and yeah. it was just like a wild moment for such overacting and Incredible. um it killed me I really love that. <laughs> love but it. But she she also did a nice kind of awkwardly trying to play it off. Yeah. Um, we had a nice callback <laughs> to her being like, take a bath, you stinky fucker. <laughs> yeah, she says that. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, I love the whole treehouse aesthetic in general of the camp. I love the sort of rope bridges and that kind of thing. I think that's also quite good for capturing the childlike imagination. And then at the end of that sequence, they go, they walk to the river and they do that kind of low angle thing. So it looks like the river is kind of flat against the trees as they're walking mm -hmm. towards it. And you get the strings of the Brian Adams song. And yeah, it's very good. It's very wistful. And it's nice. Romantic. Yeah. Although I it was nice. busy ha being like, is that fucking Brian Adams? <laughs> um, sure is. Um... <laughs> I really enjoyed their commitment to fully not explaining how they had a full smelting operation going in this wood. <laughs> As they Amazing. were just like, we must train. And then you saw people like making swords. And it was like, what? what? They did it the old fashioned way. How? What? <laughs> um, but I just love that they were like, and no, we're not going to talk about this. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> love that. Um, I really enjoyed Slater's little accusation and confession scene where he's like properly yelling at Kevin Costner. You know, I thought he did quite well in that little moment. At least within the context of an adventure movie, this was a good sort of melodramatic acting from Slater. And especially playing it off against Kevin Costner's absolute oh, lack of reaction. Like it must yes. be tough, right? To act <laughs> to act a scene well when the person is just staring at you blankly. But no, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, he holds it Which down. Which is funny because earlier his reaction to getting shot through the hand was like, well, this is a non-event. <laughs> Damn it. Oh no. <sighs> like, are you ever going to use that hand again? Are you okay? <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm annoyed. <laughs> Hate that guy. He's my brother. Um, Fry I quite enjoyed Friar Tuck. Oh, yeah. 
And um, I especially enjoyed and respected him for going at Robin's ankles like a feral dog with his teeth. Oh, um, yeah. When he was like, are you done? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, correct. Yeah, it's good stuff. He has some fun lines. Um, oh, I also enjoy, speaking of like other members of the camp, I do enjoy Mrs. Little who is this um, bolshie yeah. kind of lady who ends up insisting that she's going to come along, you know, at the, um, you know, in the final fight. And I thought that was really Which good. Which is very funny to me because she had a cesarean section days yeah. ago. <laughs> she's she's like, oh, I've left, I've left my newborn child with my mother. How's your mother going to feed that baby? What? <laughs> She'll figure it out. It's the old times. What? <laughs> um... Yeah, it is. To be fair, her grandmother is probably still childbearing age and popping out kids of her own. Oh, God. <laughs> old, <laughs> old times. Oh. Um, I mean, I, I feel like this is everyone's kind of favourite moment, but Will just, Will's just... Fuck me, he cleared it! <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. catapult him over. And it's like, it's the prime example of that thing. Like, you get to put fuck in a film once, where would yeah. it have the most impact? And like, yes. yes. That was the correct place. Absolutely. That was it. Chef's kiss. Just Perfect. a little comedic offhand Fuck moment. Me. It's the same thing. It's the same thing the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 did. Putting the first F bomb into the MCU. They do it in just this utterly offhand comedic moment and it's brilliant. Perfect. Exactly where you need You've to You've got to that one fuck is like a great yeah. responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> and and you have to use it well. I've always lived my life with that belief. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I thought Maid Marian's wedding dress on the day of the mass hanging uh, was quite powerful. She looked medieval for the first time in the film. Yeah, it was like, oh God, yeah. It was this very stately, but very severe, sort of dark, high collared kind of cool wedding dress. It had a bit of a Cersei Lannister feel to it. Yeah, it really, it really helped to sell the like, this is a a terrible day kind of (laughs) uh, vibe that they had going on, right? Of she's doing this awful thing because she thinks she has no choice. (laughs) Um, I quite enjoyed the dress that she earlier ran dramatically through the castle in. (laughs) As a random owl in the castle was also there. I don't know if you spotted the owl. (laughs) No. When she was running dramatically through the corridor, there was an owl. (laughs) Okay. Just there. (laughs) Medieval stuff. Yeah, an owl. Yeah. Uh, when they're getting led out to the gallows one of the guys like I, I think the kid gets roughed up on his way to the gallows and he's just like there's no need for that and then the guy turns to the kid and is like you're right and it was just really sad it was but it also made me laugh because it had big <laughs> first time energy oh yeah oh god <laughs> that's the best <laughs> that is the best it's very silly but also like it's kind of tragic and kind of relatable the idea that you yeah. might ask someone if they were okay out of habit as they're about to be hanged as yeah. they're about to be hanged it's kind of sad but also quite sweet that he did so it's um yeah. just another moment that tonally was all over the place but mm. i i kind of i guess some part of me theoretically mm. quite liked yeah was art with the f- when they're kind of recruiting friar tuck and he's absolutely determined that he's not going to join there's a sudden cut from them being like, ha ha ha, welcome to Sherwood Forest, when they've kind of like, you know, finally mm-hmm. gotten him to yeah. to kind of agree to come. And then it cuts to them forcing him to pull the cart. Like, he's got yeah. the, like, I don't know what it's called. I don't know what horse stuff I don't know what a horse called. does. No. The yoke? Is it a yoke? He's got, like, the it... yoke. 
I'm willing kind to believe it's a yoke. Like over his neck and they're yeah. making him pull it. And they're all standing on the car. And it was like a moment of like, oh God, that's actually quite dark. Yeah. But I kind of liked it. It was like, yeah, these are outlaws. They're, you know, they're not, they're not just nice guys living in a forest. Yeah. They are a bit mean. Um, so yeah. 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 They can't, they're outlaws. They're, they're rough and ready types. Um, I felt there was some good tension in trying to shoot the rope before uh, before I, the yes. kid died. <laughs> it was nice that he didn't do it. Yeah, at first. Um, it wasn't just like one thing. It shoots and it tears, but it's not enough. And it's like, oh God. You know, now people are aware of him and soldiers are running at him, but he's got to still do this extra shot. And they already set up earlier the idea with of... The, yeah, can you, can you make yeah, the shot? Yeah. Under pressure. Yeah, very good. Um... As a, just as an aside about outlaws, I'd never really thought about outlaws before mm. um, until <laughs> I realized that they're like they they don't run away and live in the forest to become outlaws. Uh-huh. You go away and run in the forest because you have been outlawed. It literally puts you out of the protection of the law. Anyone can just yeah. kill you. And it's not murder. Ooh, you are outside like of the protection the- of the law. Yeah, which is why they which is why people would run away anywhere else because it meant that people could just kill you like a dog in the street and that's fine it, it was nothing yeah um just a it's... fun aside that i <laughs> sometimes yeah, think about dramatic. that and i'm like ah, that's cool i never really think about it in that order <laughs> you're right like it's not necessarily like choosing to become someone who does disobeys the law it's an act of desperation i think they did get away from get that idea that robin is recruiting from people who have been dehoused and kind of forced out yeah Um, anyway Mm. fun facts with Bex Um, (laughs) love that strand Friar Tuck just absolutely furiously stacking that priest up with gold giving him his 30 pieces of silver and shoving him out of a window was metal as fuck actually (laughs) and um, it was very good I really enjoyed that moment because I think that's one moment where they kind of balanced well what a heavier moment in what was supposed to overall be a kind of generally light hearted romp felt like um, or should feel like it was a you know here is a comedic character who has been played for laughs all the way through ha 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 he's big and he's fat and he likes beer yeah but he has rage inside him at injustice like all of these other people and it was like a nice it felt good yeah. as a moment not like other moments which were so totally wild that yeah it was like someone just kicking you in the chest and be like did you enjoy it um <laughs> but yeah no, I, right. really, this... I really enjoyed that there's something really seductive to that idea, I think. The idea of just, you know, a character who has gone wild, who's strayed away from their own values, but still has these beliefs as well that they're passionate about. And I think that's, yeah, I think that is well tapped into by Mr. Mike McShane in that moment. Because you get the sense that in under the Sheriff of Nottingham's rule or misrule, you know, we get a sense that he's just lost his faith because he can no longer justify yeah. his position as opposed to the guy he pushes out the window who has sort of adapted his beliefs to that. To money. Yeah. For money. Money's quite good is the problem. And they don't really address that. But it is yeah. good. Um, I enjoy a couple of uh, archery moments um, in that final fight. The slow motion flaming arrow. Yes, <laughs> firing good. directly. That's like a trailer yeah. moment, right? That was, it really that is. That was what it's they sold the film moment. on. Yeah, it's, it's a hell it's of a thing. Shit. And then also shooting a double arrow to take out two guys at the same time. Just sheer nonsense. It was sheer nonsense, but what I what I liked about it is that before he did it, he stripped 
the inside fletching <gasps> off both yes, he of did. them so that they could sit together. That's very good detail. And I was like, you know what? I quite <laughs> like that. Yeah. I don't know if it would work. I'm not an archery expert by any Look, means, but it feels practical. Nobody is accusing you of being an archery expert. <laughs> and if anyone does, they're going to have me to speak They with. do it on Twitter all the time. They just won't stop harassing me. Oh my God. What is wrong with these so-called archery scrutiny people? These gatekeepers. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, um, yeah. when they smooch at the end, oh, yeah. the king double fist pumps in the air behind <laughs> them, which is just a very funny way for a king to behave. <laughs> I heard that as fist bumps, like he was just gonna fucking tap them, like nice. <laughs> no, two like two arms up Beautiful. in the air, like a properly like, and I was like, a weird thing for a king to do. I love that. If Kevin got, if Kevin, if Sean Connery. Was uh, king? He would do that all the time. He um, really would. I love Morgan Freeman anticipating the jump before they're about to do it. They're both in the catapult, and just before they do it, his face is so giddy, like he's so excited about what they're about to do. Is just yeah, it's very tasty. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a lot of Morgan Freeman no. in here, and it's not because he was bad. He just kind of was there. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is like you know he was a bit restricted by. The script. <laughs> yeah, he's also his in a double character. act with Costner. Like, all of his scenes are with Costner for the most part, apart from the couple of Mike McShane. And there's just, yeah. Yeah. To... Um, and, and also, it was just very weird that, like, sometimes characters were like, my God, a Moorish Muslim. And yeah. then sometimes they were like, hey, man. Yeah, exactly. What? Like, <laughs> um, I did enjoy the not one, not two, but three bits where Robin just solves racism. Oh, yeah. By just being like, actually... He's a person, and everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, wow!" And it was like, Ooh. "Yeah, okay, <laughs> good job. Racism's <laughs> over. Yay! Never a problem here in the UK." <laughs> um, I'm now just onto Rickman's stuff. How are you? I too am onto Rickman's stuff. Okay, let's go one at a time. Um, let's start with just some quotes, and um, he gets interrupted with his lady and her bare shoulder. I trust you justify your intrusion with news of profound value. Yeah, it's good stuff. Okay, mine are in no order whatsoever. Love it, love it. Um, but um, I really enjoyed. I'm gonna cut your heart out with a spoon. Oh, of course. Boxley, I'm gonna cut your heart out with a spoon. It's beautiful. And the later, yes. why a spoon, cousin? Why not a knife? Or a hatchet? Because <laughs> it's like, dull, you idiot. It'll hurt more. Yeah. Why a spoon, cousin? Why not? A- Axis. Because it's dull, you twit. It'll hurt more. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, when the witch apparently sees... I, I think she sees that cr- uh, skull and crossbow, as you mentioned earlier. And she just goes, ah! And he just says, what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, slightly sick of her shit. It's just... Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed... And call off Christmas. Yeah, that's amazing. As he's having like a little tantrum. That whole thing is just beautiful. Cancel the kitchen scraps for lepers and orphans. No more merciful beheadings. And call off Christmas. It was slightly (laughs) ruined by one of those jokes directly afterwards where I was like, "Mm," where he just points at a woman and says, you 10.30. I like that. 10.45 and bring a friend. You, my room, 10.30 tonight. You, 10.45 bring a friend and it's one of those things where like it. it's quite a good line but i hate it but it's a good line and do you hate it, it well, because there was no way to accurately it. tell 10 45 
back then. No, I hate it because it makes me the level of sexual violence in this film makes me uncomfortable. No, that's true. That's um, true. And but it it's... was just too terrified. Like they weren't playing it for comedy. They weren't like, oh, this guy. They were like yeah. crying, and I was like, oh no. No, yeah. But I did laugh good. at it, and then we were like, oh. <laughs> Again, it's the tone. It's not quite matching yeah. Rickman's energy. Um, Oh, I do like, after having failed to chase Kevin Costner out of the, uh, well, successfully, I guess, chased him out of the castle, but he doesn't manage to catch him. Um, Some guy, I think he says something or he's just in the way. And so Alan Rittman comes over and just punches him a whole bunch of times with the score in time to it. And it's beautiful. And then gets his like cape caught on him when he's trying to go away. (laughs) So good. Incredible. Yeah. Um, not actually a quote, but there is a moment in the church service where the priest is like, and let's all thank the sheriff of Nottingham for keeping us safe. Mm. And Alan Rickman does this like little coy, like I'm a little, I'm just a little boy with a lollipop <laughs> yeah. expression that absolutely killed me. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I also love when he's really angry. He comes in to the witch's like cavern knocks a whole bunch of things over and then just gets a knife and really delicately stabs at something a whole bunch of times which then leads to her line of just something vexes thee but just i really enjoy the little stabs yes that is um that's when he just gently flagellated himself twice oh right okay i missed that as part of the sequence (laughs) (laughs) just a little that's very Um, elegantly choreographed moment um I really enjoyed the little conversation they had where they were like, maybe we should give him a name and then everyone will hate him. And they just had a little conversation about Robin Hood's branding. <laughs> yeah, that was Love good that. stuff. They, that, they because... it, and in that, they did not mention a hood once. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Because it's really interesting because we're at this stage now where like superhero names, you know, are we tr- already trying to move past the point where people come up with them and they just name it? And there was that little elegant moment there, inelegant uh, series of films there where they would try and have them happen naturally. Just, you know, Robin of the Hood, I think, actually gets said in, like, the Ridley Scott yes. one. And it's yeah. just, oh, God. It gets, it gets said in this as well. Really? Oh, my God. Yeah. He starts <laughs> off as Robin of the Hood and then it just kind of Morphs. seamlessly changes yeah. <laughs> into... Um... It's fine. Just don't call him Robin Hood. We know who he is. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, just another Alan McMahon, Rickman line. Hired thugs. Love it. They're all just delivered wonderfully as well. Yeah, it's just that voice, that gorgeous voice. And listen, I could I could have written down every single Alan Rickman line, but those were the ones that I had. <laughs> Some of them that you I said have as well. Several more. <laughs> oh, just go for it. Shall I just finish them? So. Yes. You get Cornwall, you can have Wales, and Scotland is all yours. Also, oh, I don't remember that. Oh, that might have been in the that deleted might have scene been because in the he did this. Scene. He was offering it up to the various kings of uh, of of well, the various lords of England. Um, oh, and another scene I don't think you had was when the guy he's had his tongue cut out, but he writes a thing on a sign. Um, How are you, my lord, or something like that? And he just looks at it. And he says, "I'm overwhelmed with happiness. Thanks for asking." <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. And then when he finds the peephole and goes to confront his mother about it in the uh, in the basement, just, I found the hole. <laughs> <laughs> Again, definitely extended stuff, but oh, beautiful. Near the end, uh, she says something about Maid Marian, and he just says, that's my wife, crone. 
yeah, that was that was when I wrote, is he a wife guy now? Like, I really didn't think that was going to be the thing that turned him against mother. She's like, oh, this bitch. And he's like, um, oh, that's my wife? Which uh, really made me laugh. Like, oh, God. Just suddenly being like, no, like, she's my wife. I genuinely am going to protect her. It's like, oh, buddy. Yeah. Um, I love how he threw himself into the final fight. He's like, he shows a great deal of energy because there was a trend in the 90s and 80s to put up your action hero against a thespian, someone who could actually do some acting. And usually the result was ridiculous. You had like incredibly uneven fights between like Steven Seagal and Tommy Lee Jones or (laughs) Sylvester Stallone and John Lithgow. Like this is not... (laughs) Right, where one of them is like talking and occasionally deflecting something and the other guy is like running around and jumping off things it's like you could just smack him in the face he's literally kill him on a single slap right now yeah but no alan rickman shows off his sort of young physicality and properly lends himself to the fight which i think is cool and then the final thing is the payoff to the statue which this is a bit cheeky because it's a moment i think is going to happen but then doesn't Early on, Alan Rickman takes delivery of a statue of himself, and he obsesses over it a little bit. Later on, he's very upset to find that it has been defaced with the scar, and he seems upset. And then I think the finale to the statue saga is that when they're fighting, Kevin Costner notices it, clocks it, looks a little confused, and then keeps fighting. And I think that's going to be it. Yeah. And I think that's the payoff. I, mean, and I think it, that's great. It deserved that payoff, right? It but did. All but all that happened was that they tried to use it to smash a door down. Yeah, and, and it falls apart. And it's a shame because it's calling too much attention to the fate of the statue. I really yeah. just liked it when it was just like an extra little detail. He's just like, huh? And then just keeps for fighting. For sure. Ah, <laughs> oh, and that will do it for me. Do you have any more? No, I did just spot something that made me laugh, but I think that's more that's something that I'm just going to tell you about afterwards. I don't think it's like a good thing or anything. <laughs> you sure? Well, it's just that they have this warning arrow system in the forest. Oh, where yeah. Someone, they shoot an arrow at the ground and someone's like, the warning arrow. And I'm like, oh, is that because it's quieter? So if people are coming, you don't yeah. need to. And then someone goes, the warning arrow! <laughs> in the background, I'm like, he shot over like What's the point of this? And then four more arrows hit the ground like directly next to people's feet. And I'm like, you're shooting these warning arrows very close to people's faces. What's the point of them? The first warning arrow was to warn people about the subsequent warning arrows. (laughs) Yeah, just made me laugh. (laughs) Not really a thing. It was just weird. I love it. Okay. um, Let's just quickly check in with the OG team. OG team. OG team. They're the ones, I, anything I do, I do for the OG team. Um, <laughs> yes, the one-shot mill at the one-shot mill gets in touch to say, cameras seemingly mounted on arrows, cool, FF, cool SFX for the time. SFX is so such a 90s expression. I love it. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> love that. Um, honorable mention, Christian Slater dropping the F-bomb after the catapult scene. Yes. Brackets, I grew up in a strict household. You gotta love that. Gotta love. Yeah, it's your one acceptable use of the word <laughs> fuck. You can't. Your parents can't be mad about it. It's a family film. <laughs> you know, when I heard it, I actually had to rewind to make sure that's what had been said. There was something just a little muffled. Yeah, about it, it so wasn't I feel the like... clearest. I also had no, a moment I think where I was like, oh my purpose. God, I can't, I can't believe he said fuck. And then I was like, oh, did he not say fuck? Yeah, I he did. Go... He does. He, <laughs> he does, but he says it in such a way that parents can be a little bit like, eh, eh. Yeah, he said heck. Don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry about it. Just get back to trying to liberate Maid Marion. <laughs> <laughs> Our kids won't be corrupted today. 
Um, thank you very much, and thank you very much, OG team. Surprisingly, the only OG team contribution this week, which I would have thought loads of people would have seen I this thought and so. had thoughts about Alan Rickman oh, specifically. I think it's more to do with my social mediaing and my lack of social mediaing ability. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I don't know though. Maybe, but Maybe. for now, let's talk about the one better thing. The one better thing. For the first time ever, oh. I thought about this in advance. Yay! That's more than I did. <laughs> I'm not going to be suddenly trapped here going, uh, mm, uh, like an idiot. <laughs> it's going to be you. Yep, it's going to be me. So let me do that for a bit longer and you tell us your one better thing. Okay, so from Medieval Romp uh-huh. about outlaws taking down a tyrant, there's uh-huh. a witch in it and <gasps> it stars a Miss Marple. Oh my God. It knows its tone is committed to its silliness and has the presence of Danny Kaye, which I consider to be sacred and inviolable. It's the court jester, 1955. I have not heard of this. Despite being made in the 50s and having some questionable moments talking about women, why must such a small girl do such a big job? A grown man asks a grown woman. Um, (laughs) It's somehow still better than Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves in that regard. Yeah. It is a satirical swashbuckler film. Um, with some wonderful musical numbers that you'd probably recognize them if you'd heard them. Um, mm. One of them being You'll Never Out Fox the Fox. Um, <laughs> a wonderful one by um, Danny Kay. Um, mm. He plays, um, he is with this band of outlaws, um, the Black Fox, who is essentially Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just, he's just a little guy. He used to work at a carnival. <laughs> <laughs> they have with them the infant child who is definitely the rightful king of England because he's got ah. a little purple birthmark on his butt and they need to get him on the throne essentially infiltrates the palace as the new court jester mm. um, but doesn't know that the court jester was in fact hired to be an assassin a comedy of errors ensues <laughs> it's delightful and wonderful Amazing. go watch it go watch it that sounds really good I'm definitely going to seek that out that's an excellent thing yes. Um I'm not sure now. I thought I had one, but now I'm reconsidering. If you have not seen The Adventures of Robin Hood, the, um, I believe it's Michael Curtis, um, original film with, uh, well, not original, but, you know, early adaptation of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn in it. I highly recommend it. It's a just wonderful Good sort stuff. of colourful, gorgeous. It's Technicolor, so it just has that wonderful, bright vibrancy to it. Um, and also, you know, other sort of Errol Flynn movies, uh, particularly others directed by Michael Curtis, like The Seahawk or Captain Blood. Those are good fun. I think these are, you know, really good sort of, yeah, really good alternatives, I think. Um, yeah, if you want your Robin Hoods to actually have a sense of fun to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah definitely be looking backwards and not forwards. <laughs> Closer to now. <laughs> <sighs> is it weird do they are they have they just been have robin hood adaptations getting steadily worse yeah i think so i think there's a real turning point i haven't Ooh. seen the sean connery robin and marion i would like to i'd be curious to see sean connery in the role of robin hood yeah i can't really imagine it it's hard actually even it's really hard to imagine bond era yeah <laughs> sean connery doing it so i'll be curious to see what that's like nevertheless those are the one better thing the one better thing. Ah, Bex, how can people find out about you and your various projects? Well, um, they can fire a flaming arrow at the ground as a warning <laughs> shot. Uh, whereupon a man will scream from the trees that um, you can hear more of me on Roll Plus Heart, the queer actual play podcast. 
um, where we play various indie tabletop games. Um, we're currently in the middle of a big, uh, nice, big, long, juicy game of Brindlewood Bay. Hey. Um, where we solve murders in a murder she wrote kind of style, but also there's Lovecraftian shit going on. Mm. Um, if you'd like to see things I do, you can find me over on Twitter at Starling underscore Dust, where you'll be able to see my art, links to my gallery, my shop, and so on and so forth. Mm, absolutely. And if you want to know more about our particular deeds and actions and heroic swinging into things on a rope with a knife held between our teeth, then OTT Pod is the place to go on pretty much any social media platform, and you'll find out more about One Good Thing. There's also Quest Fantastic. You can find out about that as well. There'll probably be some things in the episode description. Jen and the Film Critic. We've got all sorts of stuff going on. Find There's out about so them. many podcasts. So many podcasts. A merry band of podcasts, Ah, oh, there you go. And this is very much the Friar Tuck of them all. We have a holy mission, but we're going to fulfill it in the most incoherent, rambly way we can. <laughs> and drink beer. And drink heartily. I'm Paul Hartley. I didn't think of a sign-off. <laughs> and remember, the one good thing about um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Well, I mean, you know what it is.